And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. This is our Cleveland Browns podcast. The Browns are really good at running the ball. Every pass is an adventure. Every pass when they're on defense is an adventure. They're 8-3. and three. We don't have any idea whether they're good or not. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Oh, there's other stuff? Hey, um, yeah, Jason. So, <laughs> um, you know, I expected strange today. Not maybe that strange. I did expect the Browns to win, and they did. And I think the offense played well, even though it was clearly far from perfect. Uh, we nitpick, we evaluate, we look. Um, today, the win is all that mattered uh, because you just didn't have enough on defense. It was a natural letdown spot. You get dragged down to this team's level. You know, it's concerning they didn't roll up more points. It's concerning they didn't put it away. But they found a way to win. And they have Nick Chubb, and I, I guess that gives them a chance. This was the perfect time to play a 1-9 team, mm-hmm. given all that was going on in Cleveland with missing Miles Garrett, missing Denzel Ward, such a discombobulated practice week. Uh, this this was the right time to play one of the dregs of, of the league. And only a 1-9 team would give up a first down on third and 460 at the end of the game. So that that's that's vintage one and nine team. <laughs> Run a screen and get the first down and, and end the game and go home. Yeah, there was a lot, you know, watching Baker today was absolutely maddening. And yes, okay, maybe it's a nitpick, maybe it's not. I don't know. But he made a couple of throws that I just thought were absolutely terrific throws in traffic. And then he turns around and, and to miss Higgins in the end zone. To miss which one was it? Was it Chubber Hunt on the on the swing at the end of the game that, that should have put the game away and to miss badly on that? Uh miss misses on Landry. He's missing throws you can't miss. He's missing throws that in a playoff game will cost you a game. And that you know, you don't have to worry about that when you're playing a one and nine team, but you're gonna have to worry about that starting next week. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um you know, listen, I, I thought that the coach Got a little greedy. And I know you just can't line up and run the ball, right? This isn't high school football where you just get in T formation and run your six plays, you know. Uh, But from the very start, opening up, like, just pound these guys. And they wanted to get Baker some confidence, and I get it. Because the Browns now in December are going to need the best version of Baker. And I keep telling you guys that the best version, that what we've seen of Baker is not near good enough, and it's not. Now he teases you with those plays. And and I will say on the Higgins one, I just listened to him after the game. And he said what happened is he he didn't go there initially. And then he just saw – and you could see the freak out. Like, oh, my God, this guy's wide open. But he's leaving layups out there. There's a couple later in the game to Kareem Hunt that are layups that that don't get, you know, converted. Um, But, again, like at the core of it, they finally just ran the ball. 
in that one drive, I think it was eight plays, 90 yards, started late in the third, early to the fourth. Chubb for 29, Kareem for a couple, Chubb in. Chubb just ran it right at him, cut back all day. He finishes with 144 rushing yards. He finishes on a screen pass, as you mentioned, where he makes one cut, makes a guy miss, runs through a tackle. He's superhuman. He's freaking great. He's played in seven games. He's over 105 of them. He's played in seven games. He leads the NFL on 20-plus yard runs. So, you know, now now we step up in competition, and, and we assume so because we got COVID breakouts and we got madness. Um, and, you know, this defense, I guess credit Joe Woods for patching them together the way that they did. Uh, Vernon was only involved in two plays all day, a nice pressure, and then he makes that penalty, which you can argue about that. And I guess if you're upset, I get it. They teach these guys not to do it. Um, you know, the line is fine. The Browns keep finding a way. I guess my question, Jason, does that carry over? Does that mean anything the next two weeks that they found ways the last three? Um, you know, maybe not. Maybe it does. We'll see. They certainly have to play better, though, right? I Oh, yeah. Of course they do. Yeah, especially the next couple of weeks. But I felt like that. I felt like the defense really – I mean, they gave up the home run play on the touchdown, and the drive at the end of the game was not great. So I'm not going to say they played well, but I didn't think they were terrible. I thought the offense put them in some really bad spots. When, you know, first play of the game, you take a sack. Now you're at the two. Now you're backed up. We know this is not a good offense, first of all, in third and long, when you're getting second and long, third and long, particularly third and long against your own goal line. So I thought that put them in a bad spot. That leads to the field goal, obviously, the the fumble. And that that's six there. So there's nine of, the, of your points that really I, I, I would put on the offense. So given what they were missing defensively, I thought they held up kind of okay because you know they're going to struggle. You know they're not going to have much of a pass rush when, when Miles is out of the game. Vernon, that play was just an absolute killer. I didn't think live it was a penalty. Uh, watching the replay, I, I guess maybe it's one of those 50-50 calls. But that's an absolute backbreaker, you know. Woulda, coulda, ifs and buts and, and all that stuff. But I, I just don't think that the defense I'm, – I'm going to stick to what we said after last week. You know, after – you know, my whole thing on the podcast last week was I think this defense is better than we think it is. And it's hard to tell because of the lousy weather of the last three weeks and obviously 1-19. Now, if they come out next week and Derrick Henry just gashes them for 300 yards and they give up 30 to the Titans, well then, you know, I'll just look like an idiot again, but I'm used to that. But I just feel like – I, I just, I just, I think that it's not as bad as we think it is. I can't Am I believe, crazy? I can't believe you're going to make me be the bad guy here because next week they play Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Corey Davis, and they're not going to have I, no more. <laughs> oh my well, god! And, uh, and, and they might, and, and Derrick Henry might run for 300 yards on this defense, and, and Tennessee might hang 35 on them. And when they do, then I'll come out and say, "Yeah, I was an idiot again. I, I, it was my naivety again that we've made fun of in the past, and I can't believe that I thought they were actually improving." But I, I just felt like I just felt like the offense put them in some bad spots today. <coughs> oh, no doubt. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing here. Um, I, I, I have taken you to the verge of choking. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, like, really, as I just sat and thought about the game and, you know, wrote about the game, obviously, in the week up, um, just find a way today that's good enough. You know, and, and they did. And, and again. Look, they have a non-losing season wrapped up. That's tremendous progress. That's right? big. Yeah, um, that's big. You know, more in the moment. Again, the third straight week. You play a team you should beat. You beat them. 
There's various levels of adversity, and I thought the Browns put it on themselves. Specifically, just kick the damn field goal and go up two scores, right? Mike Glennon's not going to beat you, right? Um, Now, all those calls aren't going to work out, and the percentages aren't going to be in your favor, and it is a game of literal inches. We saw that with the measurement. But you just kick the field goal there. You know, whether Stefanski was greedy, whether he didn't want to put his defense back on the field, or whether he just thought this power run team should get this, you know, maybe a combination of the three, it didn't work and things got too hairy. Doug Marone uh, going for two, up two in the third quarter is a way of telling his players, yes, just keep playing hard, guys. We're going to reward that. But they ultimately knew that could cost them the game and they're playing for draft position. Let's just be honest. That's an unexplainable call. Okay, um, so I want to stop you right there because I actually didn't mind the the fact to go for it. You only need to, but why are you going to throw it? If yeah, you're going to throw no, it, go right. go for it before the penalty. No, that's listen, what, that was I'll, the I'll say this part. about Baker Mayfield, where we are after 11 games into his third year, and you can tell me he's on his third coaching staff all you want. Every time he drops back, guys, it's an adventure. You don't know where it's going. That's not good. So he had some big-time throws today, two for touchdowns and one out of his own end zone to Jarvis Landry. And those were pinpoint throws, and those were huge throws. But you've got to have consistency. And the coach, when it comes down to key decisions, as you just mentioned, Jason, has to be able to trust the guy or else do something else. Just run the ball. Yeah. Well, I was talking about Marone when I said, why are you throwing it? I was talking about the Marone. Oh, I'm talking about down the stretch when they're throwing on (laughs) in the last drive of the game. Well, you know what? I, I actually didn't mind Stefanski going for it there because you have Chubb and Hunt. You should be able to get a yard anytime you need a yard. Get the yard. That should not be an issue. I actually had a bigger issue. Oh, God, I should have wrote this down. I didn't. What was it? The the, thir- the fourth down pass to Kaderil Hodge. What are you doing? It was fourth and one, and you're throwing it to Kaderil Hodge? Like, to me, that was one of those, oh, my God in heaven. It's a good thing that worked out because that was terrible. And that goes to what you're saying of you have Chubb and Hunt. Just run the damn ball. If it's fourth and one, I don't care if the defense knows Whoever's in the game is getting the ball, whichever one is in the game, because they're not going to stop them. They should. With this offensive line and those two dudes back there, they should be able to pick up fourth and one every single time in the NFL. I know it's the NFL. They should get it every single time. They should. Um, they, they should. And again, like, you know, it's almost boring to sit here and talk about Chubb, who's the most boring guy in the world, but one of the best football players on the planet. You know, yep. Um, and I feel like we're being a little too negative. Look, the Browns needed Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry needed a big game. He delivered. I think he, he finished at 143 or so. I might have him and Chubb's numbers confused, but he hadn't had a hundred yard game all year. He hadn't had a touchdown all year. The pass offense hadn't had a touchdown in in November, and they came out right away. They saw matchups they liked, and they got him uh, on the touchdown. That's just chemistry. That's Baker saying, "I know if I put it here, Jarvis is going to cut this way, and he's going to dive this way, and he got it." Uh, later in the game, show and trust to go there. You know, we can argue about is Jarvis just a slot receiver? Is he a number one receiver? What is his future? Frankly, today or yesterday was his 28th birthday. Uh, but you can't argue with how hard he plays every single week and how important he is to this offense without a true number one receiver or at least without a deep threat. So I thought it was maddening. You know, Harrison Bryant's had a really good rookie year. I don't know that you can put him on the field if he's not going to hang on to the ball. Today right. you're throwing the ball to Taewon Taylor, and that's inexcusable. Um, you know, Higgins is running wide open down the middle, and we can't get it to him. But they needed Jarvis to step up. They did, and hopefully that will be a sign of things to come for their offense because when they're going to need to throw, they're going to need number 80 to make those plays. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, I want to go through, because I was really confused, this, the sequence with the challenges. And I'm hoping you can explain it to me because I asked Stefanski and even he seemed a little bit confused by it. So they... They challenge the spot on third down. Can't you challenge the spot without challenging the line to gain? Aren't those two different things? Yeah, and, and ultimately they ruled that's what it was. Yes. But so then I asked Kevin, so why didn't you, if you had the challenge, why didn't you challenge a fourth down play? Because earlier in his press conference, he said he, they could have. So I said, why didn't you? And he said, well, they were talking about it on the headset and they got the timeout back, but not the challenge. And I was really confused. I, I mean, it's all water. No, in the see, I think that's wrong. Game. I, I think he was confused. They would have gotten the timeout and the challenge back. And I'm pretty sure the broadcast said that they got both. It, it that that didn't make any sense. And again, it doesn't matter. They yeah. won 27, 25. Well, what, but this, what about this, the last seven minutes of that game did make any sense? Well, right? it, I mean, the, it looked like they got the first down. The the <laughs> ball, the nose of the ball was touching the first down marker. Was it not? Yeah. I thought I thought so too, and I mean, really, that's maybe the second time in my life I've ever seen a measurement be that close. So, um, the, the whole thing was just screwy. But I mean, it's to me this is an important thing that could come up again down the line. If you win the challenge, even if you lose the first down, if they move the spot of the ball, you won the challenge, did you not? Correct. So, but they initially ruled it incorrectly, and I think this is just the officiating crew got it wrong and New York called and said they initially said that the Browns did not win the challenge because it was not a first down. So I think what happened, and I don't know exactly. I think Stefanski throws the flag and tells the official that's a first down, right? So then the official keeps that in his mind. Yeah. As they go through the process. It's short. And he says they lost the challenge. So they came out and they clarified that. Now, should they have done it earlier? And would that under the case, leave the Browns that yes, but I, I don't a hundred percent know because I, I agree. Like I just, I think he was in post game. He was completely confused still. So it, yeah, so was I, it, it does not excuse that execution puts that away. 
in, in like three other times even before that sequence. Now, the, the penalty on Olivier Vernon, I see the flag come in, you know, TV pans away. I figured the second guy got there with hands to the face or something. You know, when I saw the replay, they, I know it's ticky tack and I know it's frustrating as hell. And I know people say it's fixed and whatever, because that put the game over the total and it allowed the Jaguars to cover. And if not for your hero, Anderson Dejo, you know, um, <laughs> maybe they tie the game. But letter of the law, you can't launch and you can't lead with your helmet. And it looked like to me he did both. Right. So they don't want to, it's like the end of a basketball game. They don't want to call a foul and send that guy to the line, but he hammered him. So, yeah. you know, okay. and, and the flag did come out. I'll give the officials credit on that. The flag came immediately. At least they didn't hesitate. Now, as for Sendejo, um, he breaks up the touchdown in the first quarter and he makes the play on the two point conversion. The Browns need him and they're going to need him. I mean, what a disaster. Ronnie Harrison gets hurt on the very first, first play of the game. But play. after the game, yep. Baker is asked in his Zoom, uh, what about Sandejo? You know, he's taking a lot of crap. And he says, well, we're not worried about the outside. The outside's the outside and all that. Well, Baker and everybody else, it's not the outside. That was Andrew Sandejo's 675th defensive snap of the year, and that was his first pass breakup. He's a free safety oh my God. in the National Football League. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. Do you look that up? That yes. is unbelievable. Yeah, that's, that's my public school math. So it might be 673 or it might be 677. But I took wow. all the snaps that he played all year, and on the ninth snap today, he broke up a pass that saved the touchdown. Now go back to Sport Radar and check how many burns he's responsible for and how many missed tackles he's had <laughs> on those 675-ish snaps. Uh, uh, so look, yeah. look, um, you know, again, uh, Kevin Johnson got hurt in the last two minutes, and I was really worried there because the Browns don't have a third corner. It looked to me like they mixed in Stewart and Tavier Thomas. I mean, I, you know, Glennon has, has been around. He, he played okay to, to fairly well. He, he, he missed some throws. They've gotten away with it. And Miles Garrett coming back will change everything. I mean, you can easily make the case that, that the Browns' turnover rate is not sustainable, but Miles Garrett makes it so because he comes and gets there. Right. So, but you're going to need, and you've gotten it all year, absolute superhuman efforts out of him because Denzel's going to miss at least one more game. I would be encouraged that they didn't put him on IR this week because that would have automatically ruled him out for the Ravens. But all signs are he's going to miss at least one more game. Ronnie Harrison is headed for the MRI. So you're looking at Terrence Mitchell and Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo as you're starting for, you know, mixing those two guys in in the slot and basically just praying otherwise. That, that sends a shudder down my spine. <laughs> When you when you lay it out like that, but you know, I'm I'm sitting here watching, I'm flipping around to some of these games, and you know, I was talking to one of our NFL editors or one of our editors with the company today, Chris Brown. You and I were both talking to him, and you know, for all the problems the Browns have, and 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 there's you know there's some glaring issues on this team still. Yes, they're eight and three, but they've got problems. But who doesn't in the AFC? It's the Chiefs and the Steelers and everybody else, and the Browns are just as much in that everybody else as anybody else. And depending on how these playoff seedings fall, there's no reason the Browns can't win a playoff game with even with the problems that they have uh, defensively, the quarterback issues here and there that are, that are popping up. They could they could go they could win a playoff game. I wouldn't like, say they, there's they, no reason because there's 57 reasons. However, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. But what you were trying to say is if they get in and if they run Clean the ball, for they're going to be a problem. Clean. Yes, yes. Look, um, the most important thing. It, 
you know, getting these streaks out of the way, right? Like all this losing season and all this haven't done this and haven't done this. I mean, this team's won eight games. They won four straight, which they hadn't done in a million years. You know, they've won three straight to follow that, which over the past 15 years has been hard to come by. They have a non-losing season for the first time in 13, and they're playing meaningful games in December. And not like, you know, the team radio show telling you they're in the hunt because they're two and a half games out at four, six, and right. one. Right? Like right. they're 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 eight and three, right? And they, they get to go play the Titans, who are a first place team and who were in the AFC championship game last year, and they get to measure themselves. They get to come home, and it's such a damn shame that they can't have a full crowd. They play Monday night for whoever's playing for the Ravens. They might have to bring Stony Case back that night. We'll see. The Browns aren't <laughs> gonna apologize. They get to play on Monday night football. People are watching, people are paying attention, and these games all mean something. Hell, week fifteen. They go play the Giants. The Giants are going to be in first place in the NFC East. Yep, like, yep. With four both, wins. Right. Like, the loser of that game, Jason, might not go to the playoffs. And maybe the Giants don't want to. But, like, what more could you ask for in a Week 15 football game than yeah. the, the team that loses is probably not going to make the playoffs. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And by the way, one other thing, you tell me all the time about how this league is set up to be a one-score game and for everyone to go 8-8 eight and eight and all that. So anybody can win any game. And, and yeah, okay, Jacksonville's one and nine. And I opened by saying, you know, this is a good week to play a one and nine team. And that's true. But that doesn't guarantee a win. I mean, look what the Falcons did today to the friggin' Raiders, who have completely unraveled ever since coming to Cleveland winning that game. They just beat the brakes off, off Las Vegas. So just because you're playing bad teams doesn't mean you're guaranteed a win. I, I just I, I don't know. I'm I'm now I'm gonna start talking in circles, but I'm I'm just really happy to see a game that they should win, even with the personnel losses that they have, figure out a way to do it. It was ugly. It was not great. There's certainly a lot to clean up. Stefanski couldn't even really – I mean, his best argument for Baker's performance today was, well, no quarterback's going to complete 100% of his passes. Well, no shit. But he needs to complete the ones that are, are pretty obvious well, and pretty evident. And, and even even Kevin could only say Baker was okay today. Well, but still, you won the game. You, you beat a team you should beat. But that isn't always a given in the NFL. Those are great points. The win is all that mattered today. For many years, the Browns have been the other team where, hell, you need to win for everybody's psyche and because you work too many hours not to, right? Yep. But it really doesn't help you if you do because you're you're already in the next year. It's Thanksgiving and you're already in the next year, right? So, like, this time the Browns needed to win. Like, see how much it's flipped? They had absolutely everything to lose today and nothing to gain other than just winning. And they had – Three starters down on defense. They have five guys on the COVID list. They don't, you know, they lost Ronnie Harrison on the very first play. And again, I keep stressing this. Every pass is an adventure, and that's not good. But they and, and And, you know, we before we started recording, we talked about all the problems going on in the NFL, and the Browns just continue to whistle by the graveyard while the Broncos don't have a quarterback and COVID outbreaks and everything else. And our lovely producer, Marissa, just, just messaged us while we're recording this, that the Jaguars have fired their GM, Dave Caldwell. Oh. How many times were <laughs> – so, so the Browns are now the Reapers. 
that, that is going around and getting coaches fired and GMs yeah. fired. How's that for a change? That when the Browns come to town, you end up having to fire your personnel yeah. as, as opposed to the other way around. The owner said, we, we know we've been good. We're not trying to be good. But you let Baker Mayfield out of the pocket one too many times today. You're out of here. You're gone. <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's so fun to and be And the, the Jaguars didn't have world. half their defensive staff either. They were like half their four or five guys were sent home for COVID. Their coordinator yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. The GM's head just rolled. <laughs> Look, oh. um, last thought here. I, I touched on this in the final thoughts column, which will be up by the time you guys listen to this. And we appreciate you reading, listening, the whole deal. Um, you know. I'm hard on Kevin Stefanski. He's a smart guy. He's done a great job. You know, I thought there were times today where he didn't manage the game right. And I'm not always right. And he's not always going to be right. And, you know, this is a results-driven business. Even you guys that have all your charts and think that you're right with your Twitter accounts. Like, <laughs> but the Browns, are, the Browns are doing just fine, right? They're weathering this unprecedented storm. They're beating teams they should be, which marks progress. They're eight and three, which marks tremendous progress and like guarded optimism going forward. Right. So whether the quarterback's good enough, well, yes, yeah, Stefanski's in that business, but it's not really on him. Right. And eventually he's going to make those decisions in a game when the Browns are protecting the lead in a big game or trying to stay within one score in a big game, or, you know, sometimes that stuff can come back and bite you. But eventually today he just decided to run it. You know, you could we could sit here and do a whole podcast on who's better, Miles Garrett, who's more important to this team, Miles Garrett or Nick Chubb. And guys, that's progress because the Browns have some great players. They have yep. some good players. They have some great players. They have eight wins on Thanksgiving weekend. It's come a long way from Josh. It's come a long way from Josh Cribbs, the kick returner, being the most important player on the team. Absolutely, and and, and Phil Dawson, the kicker, being second or third. It's come yeah. a long. <laughs> Long way from 2002. The last playoff game was a long, long time ago, but it's come a long way. We are a week and a half from the three-year anniversary of John Dorsey getting hired. And we know he didn't make it past December last year. And we know what this team has been through, right? They were six and three in 2014. They finished seven and nine. This team got over the hump today. They're eight and three. This team found a way. This team has Nick Chubb. It's about to get Miles Garrett back. It's exciting times. Stick with us. Read us. Listen. Thank you. Uh, we enjoy the arguments. We enjoy watching. We enjoy the discussion. And we will see because next week is a huge challenge for the defense. And December is a huge challenge for the organization. Are they ready to be a playoff team? Is the quarterback ready to be more consistent and answer the bell? Is Nick Chubb enough to push them to big wins? We'll see. We'll talk to you soon. It's a live